wow, that wedding cake. It's like a, uh, almost like a vanilla cake batter with like some cinnamon in there or something. It's strange, like certain cuts of like flour, depending on who grows it, the terpene just comes out different. I swear, like I'm sure you've had cuts of GMO from different people and stuff like, man, that's just not as gassy as oh, my homies cut of GMO. Up. Those guys with those super gassy cuts, they try to, you know, you got to hoard that stuff. Yeah. Especially because it's so hard to come by, like at least like until you find the dude anyways. Like, but when I first moved to Denver, it was so hard to find like really really like gassy gassy strains that like reminded me of stuff i had on the east coast because in new york we were smoking lots of sour diesel like um and just other things because people love the ogs and stuff there so i'm like when i first came here i think the biggest og that i was like able to find that i fell in love with was the san fernando valley or the sfv i don't know if you've ever had the SFV. oh yeah for sure super far there's a couple dudes in denver with those uh cuts and that's just one of those strains it's like so like bright and vibrant it's not like an earthy og it's almost like this citrus like i don't even know if citrus is right i always say bright and vibrant because that's how it reminds me of like when i smoke some ogs it makes me kind of like sleepy and comfy and then i smoke sfv and i just feel like awake i'm like whoa that was like some fresh gas yeah it gives you that little pep in your step We're gonna do it i'll just do this real quick what's up everybody and welcome to episode 27 of the podcast today is a very special day i have my friend big z here as a guest and uh today we're just gonna talk about the origin story of big z i want to know uh kind of like how he got his roots started in glass blowing and just kind of some of the trials and tribulations of being a glass blower and a business owner so if there's any of you guys out there who also follow both of us and you know you're you got your own small business or maybe you're a glass blower too and maybe the insight you'll see today of the things that we've gone through and the ups and downs will help you uh you know work through the things you're trying to figure out in your business and and anything so thank you everybody for hanging out and let's get into it so dude i gotta know what was the do you remember the first like glass pipe you saw or the first like piece of glass it was like how do they how they do that you know, when I was probably like 15, I, uh, we had a local head shop called Deaf Ear and, uh, you know, you had to be like 18 to purchase, of course, but we'd all sneak in there and kind of check out all the glass cases. And, uh, I, I, I was so amazed by this spoon that had all these different colors going on. And, and I was like, that thing's cool. And it had a big fat, chunky clear lens on the front that magnified all the like mosaic of oh, colors. Wow and it was only a fritz spoon yeah so like which is kind of a basic basic thing but this is like 1996 97 mm. you know and so i went in and I, I i like scoured kind of found what i wanted and uh you know i had my buddy's older brother like gave him the money i was like i'd want this fifth one in third one back <laughs> on, on on the shelf and he went in and he scooped it up for me and uh yeah i got my first first piece and uh named it Kirby and uh, Kirby, that's awesome. as you smoked out of it, uh, it's still, it, it, it they used like a silver fume behind the frit. The frit. Yeah. So like the color in between the frit, like would change colors and you so would cool. get, get the cools. And it was like the first time I really like was getting into smoking and got lost in, in, into, the into the glass. Like that's what I thought was the coolest thing. You'd always find something new. Absolutely. And something now to me, it's kind of, it's, it's a basic thing, but 
at the time it was like cutting edge. But even until this day, I see customers that sometimes are so impressed by some of the most simple techniques. They're like, that is just incredible. Cause like I've built pieces in the past where like maybe a customer didn't appreciate, appreciate it as much. And I realized, holy shit, I built this piece for my peers to appreciate me. I wanted my peers to be like, whoa, that's kind of complicated. And oh, look how he put that. I wonder how he put that in there. Which path did you take to do it? Cause you know, glass blowing, there's a million different paths you can take to get to a similar outcome. Oh yeah. So there's no, there's no right way to get to the wrong place. Or there's yeah. no wrong way to get, <laughs> get to, to the, the right, right place. place. Exactly. And that's like one thing I love about glass blowing is that it's just like, there's no like definite path. You can kind of feel like an explorer or someone that's like, you know, working through something or, you know, finding a new technique, even though maybe it's the same finished product, maybe you found a different path to get there. So it gives you like this sense of that you're like, you know, a pioneer in your own little world, even if you're not the first to do it. Cause isn't it funny? Sometimes you do something like, I think I'm the first to do this. And then someone pulls up, no, this person did it. Oh, and yeah. you're like, fuck. I don't think I've ever invented anything. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> not me neither, dude. I'm just inspired by all the people that I look up to and watch their work and stuff. Exactly. So you're born and raised in Colorado, right? No, I'm actually uh, from La Crosse, Wisconsin. La Crosse, Wisconsin. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, a little north side kid. Uh, in, in Wisco area. And as far as getting into, to glass and, and, and where I, my beginnings, where it was, you know, kind of started going to fish shows and, uh, Alpine Valley was like three hours from my house. And our, my first adventures as a kid being like 15 years old and going off with a couple friends to like, just have an adventure kind of started. Oh, and dude, that uh, sounds awesome. that also like was another big, like first pipe thing for me, because like we'd go to the shows to like, get good weed, of course, mm -hmm. and like grab a souvenir. So I collected one hitters to kind of start my glass collection when I was a teenager. So every time I was going to a show, I was looking for that guy with the case yeah. and I'd get my 10 to $20 little one hitter. And, uh, I built my first little collection that way. Oh, dude, that's and, so uh, cool. had some good ones. I had, I had maybe one left in the collection. I probably at the height of it had like 50 and, you know, had to throw some out the car, you know, <laughs> yeah, some we were confiscated <laughs> and, uh, you know, you just, you know, you, you pass them off to like people that yeah. might need a, might need one in a pinch. So it's like, I'll just take it. So. Definitely. That's super cool. Yeah. I remember like, I've only, I, I've only been to like a few like outdoor festivals where like, but when I went to them, I was like the guy with the gun case. Cause I had met other glass blowers and I was like, how do you sell glass? Like I remember when I first started like blowing glass, I didn't know like, like, how do you fucking sell this? Like, where do you go? Like someone's like, gotta make an Instagram. You gotta go here. And that shows you how young I am too. Cause I'm only seven years in. So for me, it's, it's a little bit different, but yeah, I, I look back and when I first went to these festivals, having the gun cases out and stuff, just full of pipes and just like the whole like vibe there. And I miss that. And it, and I think when I was going to those festivals, I was about 23, 24. I think when I was there, it reminded me of what I love so much about being a kid, just like just people just having fun in the community and we're all just doing things together. People that don't even know each other, just like meeting and hanging out. And there was just, I don't know. I miss the outdoor festivals and stuff. Obviously we're in a time right now. Yeah. Where, you know, Jones and for, for like music, music is church for me. Yeah. It's kind of how I like shake, shake things out and like reprogram and like, you know, feel good, feel iry. And, uh, Dude, that's like we've been of, we've been live streaming a lot of stuff or and just watching more downloaded concerts. That's just so to cool like, that people are doing that. And too. I didn't do that in the past, so it's pretty pretty cool that uh, I'm finding a different way to like get my music intake. Dude, one thing I think that's like so cool about music is like it's one of those art forms. Like I played guitar for years and this and that, and but it's one of those things I'm like I got to pick it up again because music 
is it's like unlike glass it's like where like music can like transcend so many different boundaries it's like so many different people from different places could enjoy this same song and it's like with glass i feel like it's like a little bit more specific to like you know us like we like to smoke weed in this culture luna be nice are you guarding that girl that's not nice luna that girl my dogs we got a we got our friend little cheese visiting right now and uh, that's Big Z's new puppy. And my dog likes to guard her toys. So just had to deal with that. But yeah, when I was driving in my car the other day, listening to music, I was like listening to so many different types of songs from like different genres. And I'm like, man, like I can't relate to all this music, but I just enjoy like the feeling it gives me or the memory I get from it or the nostalgia it brings up. Even if I can't relate to the song's lyrics or certain things that certain just songs I hear remind me, just like when you smell something, it reminds you something. It's a that kid. sensory memory. Yeah, and that's why I think like music's probably one of the most incredible art forms, just the way it like transcends like so many different, you know, so many different people can enjoy the same thing. And it's the same thing with glass, but you know what I'm saying? Like where like weed smokers, like what we're doing, you know what I mean? For sure. But like with music, like you could be a weed smoker, a alcohol drinker, you could be a religious person. Everyone loves that one song. My, uh, you know, one of my best friends in Fort Collins is, uh, is, is my buddy Shifty. And, you know, we, we both had the love for the same type of music and we had never really, uh, you know, we never met before a certain point and we met in about 2003 and you know i was hanging up some posters or he was hanging up, i think he was hanging up a poster and it was a widespread panic show from like 1999 in oh, like davenport iowa and i was like oh i was that i was at that one he's like me too i was like you know like you know the odds of like yeah of of like-minded people I was like we could have bumped shoulders at that Seriously. show and that energy channeled us into meeting five years later in Colorado. And I believe in that shit though, dude, because I've had similar events like that happen. Like my wife, like when we met, she lived like, like her mom's house was like half hour away from ours. It was kind of far. It was like, in a like a weird area I never go to or where we didn't go to the same school. But when she was a baby, she lived on the same street as me, like a couple houses down, like her childhood home. So I'm like, like, I wonder, I'm like, did we ever run? Do we see each other at the gas station? Did we run into each other? Cause we were on the same small farms. It was a, it was a road in a farm area where there's like no houses. So there's only like 10 people that live on it. So it was like, I don't know. I always wonder like, if, do you interact with people subconsciously or in different parts of your life? And then you eventually come back together again. Yeah. Know. That wasn't the first time it, it, it had happened to me. Yeah. You know, I've had a couple encounters like that. Even with the glass blower, I ran into to freak at a, at a show in Madison in like 1999, and then I ended up meeting him in Seattle in like 2006 at a, the Seattle uh, Night of Boro, and had this weird thing that we had interacted or crossed paths before, and we worked together a couple times. And I was like, yeah, you know, we crossed paths at that you know show in Madison, Wisconsin, and it just kind of hit it off and yeah. became good friends. And that guy's so skilled, dude. He can do like, it seems like he can do like everything. Oh, he can like, do it all, man. It's wild. Like, I just see so much technique and all his pieces. Those are the types of pieces that I feel like obviously the customers love, but those are built too for the peers to be like, damn, yep. you, holy you put shit, in that work. you put in that work, bro. Cause we can see the work, you know? Cause sometimes like you might see something and be like, as a glass bore, we, we don't see as much work in that. But then like you see something like his work and it's just like, oh, you see the value. You just see for sure. You see it. It's just I, I glasspipes.org was a big <laughs> big thing when I was coming yeah. up. And you know, he had his work on there. And uh it's crazy with the with the whole glasspipes.org thing. It's like I'd never seen like a mass amount of headies before I didn't know the internet existed yeah. type thing. 
So I would just know what I seen at festivals or, or in my local shops and then kind of got on the internet and was like blown away with what guys were making. I had a, I, I, I DM'd him. I'm like, I'm from Wisconsin. I come home, you know, for the holidays. I was probably two or three years in. I wasn't that far established, yeah. but I was, I got into some line work and I was making my first, first headies. And Definitely. I was like, Hey, let me come by and check it out. And he's like, well, yeah, just come on by. Hit me up if you're ever out in the area. So he had an open door, which was pretty cool. And I went and I showed up, he, you know, basically put me to work. I was, yeah. I was like, I just kind of want to like watch. And he's like, well, what do you do? You know, type thing. And I'm like, I do line work. It's like, I got a back stack pulled. He's like, make a can and I'll meet you in the middle. And just treated me as an equal That's right so off the bat. Cool, and this guy's already crushing. Yeah. And I'm just a, you know, like a newbie. And he like, let me in the game and had a lot of fun. And, you know, we, I think that's the first piece, the, the big piece we made, we used like some sort of green that checked. So it, it didn't make it, yeah. but, it, but it was, it, it, it made it. It was, done. That was back when pipes were real big, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, this was a huge double inline, like crazy yeah. double bub perked out. And it, you, what year did you start again? You said, you know, I bought my torch in like the beginning of 2003. I was still going to uh, school and, Kind of just played around Sorry, for a little bit. Dabbled for a while. Dabbled for a little bit. And then uh, I went and caught a lesson uh, from my friend Rob in Grand Junction. He had opened up a head shop when I was going to school over there. And I was watching him. And he was like, just come back when you get some time. Yeah. Had a break. And I went and uh, watched him for like a week. And then he's like, give it a try. He went to bed. I stayed up all night and came out and had my first two pipes. You know, oh, they, yeah, you know yeah. everyone's Greatest got... Greatest feeling ever. You smoke your own pipe. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was uh, pretty rad. And... <laughs> I saw the, 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 the future of it. So yeah, I'd say by 2004, I was like, I dropped out of school and I was already making oneies that I could sell. And yeah. I was going to be an art teacher. And that first year of glass, just making oneies, I was going to make more than I was as a teacher. And I was like, all right, I think I'm man. So 2004. So you were around when operation pipe dreams happened, right? I basically didn't even know about it. It just happened. You're like, what happened? I didn't even, wasn't even <laughs> informed on it. I was just kind of kid like hustling out a backpack underground <laughs> who I like pipes. I didn't know the dynamic of what happened to all those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as I'm, I moved to Fort Collins cause there was a pretty established glass scene there. And I was like, I figure I'll meet somebody that maybe show me a trick or two or something along the way. And people started talking about it because I was in, in an area where there was more people informed yeah, of what was going definitely. on. They're like, aren't you scared to like make something where like it's already taboo and it's illegal? And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, I haven't even started yet. And I know I like it. I'm just going to do it and see what happens. So it's, it was just, yeah. Yeah, it was way before my time. And I think still a lot of guys to this day are still a little shell-shocked from Operation Pipe Dreams because I feel like that's why a lot of these like really the best dudes in the game. Like a lot of these guys don't really post their faces too much. They're not really like, they don't, they have their art and they let their art speak for themselves. They don't kind of tie their personality as much to it maybe and post so much on the inner of their face. Like, Hey, look at this pipe I made. You know? Yeah. Like, there's definitely the underground aspect to yeah. it. And I was drawn into that too. I was definitely that, that counterculture. Yep. Doing my thing and found a way to really kill time and, that's what all this thing, this, this game and it kind is. of all started with music though, is going to festivals and you start seeing the glass and then you're yeah, just like, you wanting know, to be part and then of that. The, the love of weed. Yeah. Obviously and, it all starts know, with weed, right? It all starts weed, leads to the, <laughs> weed leads to the music. Weed leads, leads to the music. <laughs> the music leads to the, the scene, the, the, the pipe in the cases yep. and then the, the desire to do it. I was at a, when I went to a, the first Bonnaroo, 
that was like where I made up my mind. I uh, got a little spun and like Jason Lee and Mike Fro and I think Gateson, Marcel, they were all set up there demoing at Bonnaroo and they had like all their glass out in cases and like I'm at this festival and I'm like, man, these guys are the real rock stars. Like, this is what I'm drawn to. Like, yeah. it took me away from the music for the first time. Definitely. And I literally w stayed up all night and watched these guys burn all night. And it, it uh, you had like it, epiphany. You were it, like, this is this it. is it. This is what I was at. like, kind of lost. Um, I played football and I blew up my knee. And like, when when you're when you're playing sports and you're Your trying to get life, to college, that that's sports. I was like, I thought yeah. I was going to be in the NFL. Yeah, like, that was didn't, it have that mentality going into something i don't think you should like really even dabble like so your life was up so you got hurt and your life was upside down you're like that, well, this defines me these sports yeah, this is who i am this is all i had this is when i left high school i was like you'll all see that i'm gonna make something of myself yeah. and it's gonna be the stepping stone to it and once life the kicked you in the ass it kicked me in the ass and it's like what are you gonna do what's your what's your what's your what's your plan now yeah how are you gonna support yourself well, i was gonna be an art teacher this is gonna be a humble definitely thing. I took every art class there ever was and I, you know, from, from drawing, pottery, sculpting, everything. And I just always seemed like I was getting a grade from a teacher Yeah, and doing a project. You, you weren't actually like creating or manifesting something yeah. that was like you had to make. It was like something you needed right. to see come together. It had so, to be real. So when I found glass, I was like, this is it. Yeah. Like I was, I was waiting for it my whole life to find my medium though. The thing that like made sense to me. See, that's really cool. See, like for me, I have like a totally different thing that gets me like hooked into glass. Like for me, it's a couple different things. As a kid, I was always like this weird kid that painted models in the basement. I was very introverted. I would just paint models all day and I liked creating things, working with my hands. I'd get sucked into it. But being that way, I naturally maybe didn't, I mean, have as much community i had a lot of friends growing up so i'm probably painting a kind of a warped picture of what my life was actually like but i think i was also addicted to the community of the glass scene like all these people i saw them like coming together like everyone's like smoking weed and everyone's accepted like because i was in a place where smoking weed wasn't accepted so i saw this whole community of people that are like oh yeah everyone smokes weed it's totally cool oh we create art and then like i started getting into like functional like water pieces and i was like holy shit like we can do stuff with water. There's all these like different fun things that we can do with the glass. That's and it, scientific yeah, approach. Yeah, and, and, and for me, I was so hooked too because like I was super into connects and Legos growing up. So when I'm building a glass piece, it's like I'm building like a something with Legos or connects. I'm building a model, and this model I get to smoke weed through. So it's super cool, right? Like that's and that's where my motivation comes from. And so it's. I mean, I is, carved like my first pipe out of wood. You know. Yeah. That's how it all started. So uh, I was right. always making pipes. Damn, where's that one now? Oh man, that's probably tossed somewhere. Oh no, dude! Someone's gonna find it someday. It's gonna be an antiques roadshow. And you know, like, like this I was is a Big Z, circa two thousand. <laughs> this would be like ninety, yeah, ninety four. Ninety four is Big Z ninety four. <laughs> and I was only following lead by my my old man. You know, he had his like he was he was he had like some sticks and he drilled out uh, all over a channel and you drill out and you just have a stick pipe yeah puffin chuck uh, puffin chuck because basically it's like no big deal so your dad it. like smoked too and stuff growing up it was like yeah you know i mean my dad actually uh started smoking at a, a young age that you know i wouldn't <laughs> recommend for other families. recommend anymore or condone <laughs> but it also helped me build a relationship with my father where yeah. he's like my best friend Definitely. and it opened a Rather than being like scared about it, it was like, "Hey, you got you got some." Definitely. You know, like, I'm, I, I remember the first time my dad found out I was smoking weed. 
I was like 18 years old. I was in my own house. I didn't even live with them. He just comes to the door, just opens it. He had a key for some reason. He just opens my door, comes in. I'm on the couch, super baked. And there's like two or three ounces out on my coffee table. Cause I just got a bunch of different flavors and shit. And I was hyped up. He just sees all the bags of weed. He grabs a plastic bag out of my drawer and just starts grabbing nugs out of each one. He's like, see you later. And then just leaves. Yeah. <laughs> and I, just, I was like, Whoa, my God, my dad knows I smoke weed. Like it was just so like surreal and weird. I was like, did that actually happen? Then the next day when I wasn't baked, I was like, did you come over yesterday? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm going to come over today too. I want more of that stuff. <laughs> like, oh yeah. my God. It I remember, actually brought us really closer too, I think. I remember the first time that we smoked together and it was like uh, me and my good, good friend, Matt, were up in my room. We had just smoked a joint and dad crept upstairs, didn't hear him coming, walked in and, you know, he had known, yeah, obviously. He that it. he's like, <laughs> and he's like, what are you guys doing? And I was like scared as shit because I like got busted, you yeah. know? And uh, like we were rolling, we were practicing rolling joints that day. Yeah. And I was rolling super like pregnant joints. Just like really fat in the middle and yeah. then skinny at the end. Yeah. yeah. And, they, and you know, they like <laughs> get them going. It was half the battle. And then it was just like a huge cherry for a second. And then like. Then fizzles it, out. It fizzles yeah. out. Or gets clogged really so quick. So he's like, resin. what are you guys doing? <laughs> So he sat down and rolled up a, a, a super straight like cigarette perfect, joint, yeah. perfect, and showed me his technique. Kind of like gave gave the little lesson, and we we smoked it and uh, got stoned. And well, he's like, oh, "I'll show you one more time." He goes, "You know, yeah. just to make sure you know." And <laughs> we so, so we, we smoked a second joint, and this yeah. is like a good batch of some some Mexican brick weed. Yeah. You know, like we I'm 14, 15 yeah. years old, and. Uh, you would he would smoke the second one down and where i'm like i'm baked yeah i'm like in my chair numb <laughs> and i have this mirror in my room and i look over and my dad's like making funny faces in the mirror at oh himself like he hadn't smoked that much in a while oh, wow yeah you know and, like, everybody was having a good time. everyone was high and yeah. like for me to see him you know my dad's mid-40s at this time yeah acting like me it's like a kid mirroring himself and, and getting a giggle out of how you know stoned he was yeah and it can almost like really like make you like relate or knock down some barriers to what a parent is and just be like you know what like he was a baby too once like we're he's still a kid in there he's still having fun like yeah we can be goofy like you know it's i think it's like the older you get the more you've seen it's just life beats you down you can get tough sometimes and make people a little bit harder shelled like my dad's wild i've had him on the podcast a couple times and you've met you've met him at this point too. yeah yeah He's wild, but like, I'm grateful that my dad talks because I have friends I grew up with. We grew up in like a dairy farm area. Um, and a lot of the dads I knew, they didn't talk to anyone. They go sit on the couch after they've worked on the farm, they drink their beer and they don't talk to anyone. They're just these like solemn, just quiet men. Whereas like my dad's like this loud character that says too much, but I love that. I'm like, I'd rather have someone that just wants to talk, communicate and create experiences in this short time we have on this planet than someone that just is like locked up like a vault because you're not here that long like share yourself or True at least that. talk about what you're thinking about like yeah with my old man's <laughs> similar i mean there's i had a lot of best friends you know it's like looked around and everybody's parents were divorced and yeah everyone was kind of scattered out and hurting and you know my, my one of my good buddies didn't really have a dad around and i came home from wherever i was coming home from at the time and my buddy and my dad were in the kitchen talking and yeah. i was just like kind of like analyzed what was going on like they're getting deep and i just beeline down the mm -hmm. basement to my room and like gave him some space and then and, he, and my buddy didn't even come down after talking to me 
Yeah, I didn't know he my, him. He's like, all right, got what yeah, I need. Yeah, I didn't know him and my dad even had like conversations. I have friends like that too. My my parents, even after I left New York, I I have friends that would go visit their house all the time, all the holidays. They just go talk to my dad for advice because growing up, my dad was one of the only ones that would talk, and like my parents' house was like a safe place. Like we could like drink there as long as we were responsible and shit like that. So like, cause my parents were like, we rather you guys, like if you're going to party, like I want you to be safe on where you are. So we would like set up tents out in the field and set a bonfire and like, just like drink beers and party out in the field or whatever. But it was monitored. Yeah. I'm not saying that anyone should do that. And I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying it's what it was at those times. And cause there was options for us to go party at the college or in the city, but then we would have been maybe drinking and driving or kids you know, are going to do it. Yeah. Regardless. So my parents had 40 acres of land on the side of Bear Mountain. They're like set fires, drive cars to the fields, wherever you guys. Also, do. Bear Mountains where you grew up. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that's cool. like uh, kind of what the company was named after all that stuff, because the first studio was in my parents basement and right. it was like right under their bedroom. And I remember because like when I first started blowing glasses in 2003 and I got my first torch, we had like sold like all of our landscape equipment and stuff. And like we got set up, but we didn't have like any place to blow glass. And my parents were like, OK. You can use our basement. We know it's temporary, but it was still about eight, nine months. We were down there uh, until we moved to Colorado. But yeah, like within my first eight, nine months, we will we'd, we crushed hard enough in my parents' basement to get enough money to actually move the whole operation to Colorado and get a house out here and start building it out here. And I'd, I'd killed myself for years doing construction, landscaping, this or that, and never got any sort of like, you know, I just didn't have that sort of like freedom is what I call it. Because like, Everyone, you can make money doing a lot of things, but the freedom is the best part. It's not about having dollar signs. It's about having the freedom to be like, oh, shit, like, oh, my dog got sick. I have the freedom. I can go pay for that. And like I found that with glass blowing too. Not only did I love doing it, but I found this freedom where like if something happened with my family, like I could stay up for two days straight and not sleep and I could take care of them. There's no other job where I could be like, hey, um, I'm working over at this grocery store. I'm going to push carts all night and make more money to take care of my family. No, you leave it this time and you come back at this day you're set for this many hours and this is how much money you make i was like well, you scary. think like that i think like that but not all glass blowers think like that some no. i think people can take that for granted yeah and what we're the ability of what we can do exactly um we're lucky very it's, very very fortunate it's crazy because yeah i just i just i remember feeling like helpless before when i was younger when like financial shit happens with your family or someone gets sick or someone passes away and like you have to pay for this and and just seeing my parents go through that and like struggle and stuff. And I'm just like, God, I, I don't want my kids or my wife to feel like this. And I don't want my parents to feel like this forever too. I want to like take care of them. And, um, it's why like every day when I'm blowing glass, the times I get frustrated with it, sometimes I have to step back and be like, listen, you are lucky right now. You are working. First of all, like you got to smoke weed today. Now everyone got to smoke weed today. Like you get to listen to your favorite like podcasts or documentaries or whatever. So I have to remind myself because sometimes I get so distracted in my own work and stressed out about my deadlines and this and that, that I stop being grateful that I, the fact that I have those deadlines or all these things that are pushing me so hard to grow as an artist or a person. I don't know. Glass blowing makes me feel lucky, man. Very. I, I feel the same way. And uh, being able to get up and, and, and do the thing you love and like are truly like addicted to definitely is, is, a great feeling. I'm a 40 year old grown man child yeah. because I never <laughs> left the art room and, uh, you know, being, you gotta be a hard worker. You gotta have That's that. That's too true too. You have to, you have to have that to, you know, to get the experience. And I also try to tell people too, there is a, gotta be a little luck involved too, because I know a lot of guys that are hard workers and they're still 
struggling because you, you got to have it's sometimes right place, right time. Also be a hard worker. Everything has to align perfectly. Yeah, there was a lot of events like that in my early career. What led up to things happening where I got like a few write ups in magazines yeah, and stuff like definitely. that, where like you started getting noticed and like slowly building and stepping back and realizing like, all right, I'm creating a brand now yeah. and I, I need this PR to get to the masses. I, I, this was before Instagram. This is early Facebook where, where back in the day, you kind of like had to take over the town and make the best pipes in yeah, the town. Yeah, it was a different grind. Yeah, and then like, all right, I can only sell so many pipes here. Yeah. I got to grow and be the guy that's known in Denver. Yeah, or, so you used to have to drive to stores with your product and try and sell it. Yeah. It's a totally different time. I was right at the tail end of that. We had to like early on inform stores what headies were. Yeah. I'm like, this thing took me all day. I need like 200 bucks for it. And the guy's like, 200 bucks, we want the $10 hitters. Yeah. I'm like, well... I'll make those, but yeah. like, will you believe in this? Like, it looks cool. Like they admit it looks cool, Damn, but they don't so... see the, the market. So I'm like, well, I'll consign it to you. Just put it on the shelf and see yeah. what happens. And that's incredible. So like, essentially, like, even though like, you see yourself as kind of second generation a little bit, you're still part of the generation that built what the scene is today. You know I, what I mean? Yeah, for like, sure. It, it, like if if you if they if you were working at a time where they didn't know like really the heady glass just wasn't popular at least in the towns you were in, like and that you had to like convince them of like something's worth, man. Like that's a different time because nowadays you see stuff like I'll see a Sherlock go for three four grand. I mean, oh yeah, you it's know, like, different. It's a different time. Crazy how it's incredible. Much it's been but that's because guys like you that have worked so hard to build that up to educate people to show them this art form to like work all night to have enough product to spread through the community to show people this to educate people on it. it's it requires a lot of people believing in this for it to actually grow and become the industry it needs to be and people to see this art form for what it is because it's just absolutely incredible i mean our glass as long as it doesn't get smashed or at least your marbles and stuff, stuff that's not like a pipe because pipes over a few thousand years might get squished or this or that happens to them. But a marble, I feel like it's like a stone. That might drive the value of those vessels up then if yeah, they're right? more breakable. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, and that's why like, I look at glass and I'm like, this is an art form. Like right now we're like uncovering mosaics and stuff from like, you know, different period like you know from like greek periods what's well, like hellenistic period i think it was but we're digging up all these crazy like things that are still almost mint condition they're going to be digging up your shit too someday dude three four thousand years from now when they're i work excavating. thick i work thick yeah you work thick bro. it's gonna be around <laughs> but when they're digging up north america and they're gonna be finding lots of this borosilicate glass and i feel like people are gonna wonder like what were they doing with this they're gonna find the terps hopefully and then realize <laughs> yeah yeah or they'll already know maybe terps will be part of our whole society I mean, I'm sure some of them just, I mean, I've got a couple reclaim rigs at home, you know, yeah. <laughs> something happens and the world crumbles. There's yep. going to be like, you'll get the ball, reclaim out of, of it. Yep. Honey. They're like, they must've been smoking. Yeah. This like too. what is this stuff? <laughs> yeah. They'll find it all like hardened and like fossilized, but they're like hot. There's no quartz around. So like, how do you do yeah, it? Like, exactly. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. It's like, I don't it's know. It's like a, the activation device for the device. <laughs> But yeah, man. So what was your first big collab that was like when you did it, like, and I'm sure you did like a lot over the years, obviously, but even if it was something in the last like five or six years as the glass industry has gotten really big, do you remember like the collab that was like, holy shit, this is, this is the one, this is happening. This is a big deal. Uh, I got a very important one to me was like to, in 2017 Michigan project, I got to, to work with 
uh, banjo, Phil, Phil uh, Siegel, and Mike Gong. I can't name everyone on yeah. there right off the top of my head. But a lot but of like people. to be asked to be at the table and bring a piece together with those guys with uh, with such a good cause in mind and like no egos, no yeah. nothing. We're just trying to build a cool piece for the kid, kids type thing. And, you know, you ha have your bucket list of people you admire. And it was pretty cool to to get in on that. And I had some health issues and it was like even in my head, I'd, I I went there just going like, I'm going to knock out solo yeah. work and, you know, maybe try to get some space prep out to a couple guys to see what happens. It was my first time doing the event and uh, it was just really special. And there was a lot of internet hype on the piece. It was such an awesome piece. It yeah. turned out really sick. And uh, it was like a six way collab. Like Salt was on it and the cha-cha chains made a chain oh there's a lot of people the on there frumpy guy made a little mini mini yeah and i was like what did he do and then they're like oh i was like oh my god i was like <laughs> but i'm sure it took him all day to make yeah, that, the sick detail, little, that flip. little tiny yeah i was like hell yeah it's in there and uh, that's so dope and phil helped with construction and yeah it i i was like so hurting i ended up leaving early that night and i had some i wanted to get a little more on the piece but like, yeah physically couldn't go anymore those some guys can just go 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 like they were up till five in the morning but like i got to a point where i hit a wall where i was like kind of worthless even couldn't even stand and look anymore so i bounced out early and i got to see the piece before i left for sure it was pretty pretty rad dude yeah ban banjo and salt are definitely like two people that would be like dreams but at the same time i feel like I don't know. I'm like, man, like maybe, maybe I should just appreciate their art and all the collabs they do. Maybe that's just not, I'm not in that lane. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's just like, well, I, I feel you. That's why it was, I feel it's a special one Yeah. because it was an event where it, it, you know, I don't know how everything works, but yeah, it worked out to be able to get on a piece like that. And it's the, the way out of my range of what and I've, and I've, like, I've, I've met banjo before. And I, I'll say like, of a lot of the big dudes I've met, he is like so chill and kind and nice. And like <clears throat> he always makes you feel special. He does. And, and you know, another person I met that was super nice to me um, was uh, Scott Dappy, which like I told people and some people were kind of like, really? Like, oh, he was like super cool. Like he came up to my booth. He was like picking up my glass. He was talking to me. He picked up that like big hooker recycler. I should do that fume one I did with Gonzo. Yeah. He like kind of took it apart and was like looking at the construction of it and stuff. And he was just being really genuine and nice. And then he just like walked away and did his thing. And I was like, wow, that was like super cool. That was fucking Scott. Just Deppet. a that chill was, interaction. Yeah. Like he just was just kind of saying what's up. He wanted to see. It caught his eye. He was like, oh, this piece called. I wanted to check this out. And he started taking it apart. And, and I was like, well, it's really cool. Like, yeah, that's got to feel good. For me, I, I fanboy out hard sometimes. Though. And then like after later that night, I'll be at the hotel and I'll be like, fuck, why'd you get so excited? You should have been a little more chill. Like, yeah, thanks, man. Like, I'm I like, get the like, same <laughs> way, man. <laughs> I'm a fan of I'm I'm a fan of the glass and what yeah, people because do. these are like superheroes to me, and that's like kind of one thing I tell people about any industry is that like the people that are famous in it are as famous as they are just to like you, like you know what I mean. Like the rest of the world, they might not know who Scott Deppy is, but to to us, like or to me at least, I'm like, whoa, this like these are huge innovators. These are yeah, like glass the gods. Limits. Like it's crazy. 
it's crazy what they've been able to build with that with mothership my friend has one of their old tubes he bought like back in 2000 what was that i think it might have even been 2010 i don't even know if they're around then but he got it for like 550 bucks like that was what it cost retail in a shop and it's like crazy to see even just from then to where companies are now like what glasses you know going for how crazy the pieces have gotten because obviously they've gotten nicer than the tube he has like you can see their progression too oh yeah even the top companies in the game you can like see their progression you can see where they started so that's why I always tell people. I can people, see mine. I had never had to do ring seals before. I yeah. look at some early ones going, shit. <laughs> yeah, got, dude. We all have early ones. I had to sell those ones to keep going. To keep going. Yeah, it's the, part of it. The pieces are costing a couple hundred dollars to and make And material just to fucking yeah. make them and then your time. It's crazy. It's um, That's one thing I feel like a lot of people maybe don't realize with glasses. Like how expensive some of the actual, like maybe the clear is affordable, but like color, like when you're talking pounds of stuff is going over a hundred dollars and some even close to 200 for a pound of color. It's just, it's just crazy. Like, cause I talked to my dad about like our material costs and we used to, I used to work construction with him and I had my own landscape company. So we look at pounds of what other color costs or like tons and this and that. So he thinks he's like, so what's a ton of that shit cost? Like if I were to go to get like a, a ton of it, like actually 2000 pounds of it. Like I'm like, yeah, like our material in our industry is capped. We couldn't, we couldn't really mass produce any product with the curtain current color companies. I don't think. Yeah. It's just batch to batch, man. It's just in like every batch is different. And yeah. like, it's one thing I've had customers order custom stuff for the piece they got for me like two years ago. And they're like, Oh, it's this color. And I get that color, make it, but the batch is different. So it doesn't really match the piece perfectly. I've got three batches of Royal jelly right now. They're all fire on their works, but they all, <laughs> Yeah. One's like a blue, like one's a purple, and one looks more like telemagenta. Weird. But it all kind of has an end, yeah. similar end result. Similar end result. It's just the way the rod The looks. rod looks, yeah. Yeah, it's one thing is like about our industry, because it's so little, like the materials and all the stuff we use to create our work is also like craft level. It's all like very small batch and everything. Like everything is small batch in this. Yeah. And that's where sometimes I get like, I have like these big dreams and ambitions for like what I want to do in our industry and what I want to grow with Bear Mountain. But I'm like, the infrastructure isn't quite there yet, but we, if we believe and we keep building and we create, you know, more awareness of glass art and what we're trying to do, because what, maybe 3% of the people that smoke weed know about pipes that cost more than 500 bucks. Oh like, yeah. You blow people's minds. Blow people's mind. talking yeah. I mean, I mean, I have family members that will see stuff and they just don't, they don't understand. I'm like, well, you've never like you, first of all, you've never experienced real terps. You don't even smoke weed. Like you're not going to understand any of this. There's levels, <laughs> there's for sure. levels to this. And I like, thank God for Instagram finding the, those 3% of people for us to interact with. Yeah, exactly. Seriously. I would, I would have no business without Instagram. I say it to my wife all the time. I'm like, man, like we would have, we would still be living in New York, New York right now, probably if we didn't, if Instagram never existed, because I don't know how we would have gotten our names out there quick enough. Yeah. It changed my um, life. Everything. Yeah, dude. I used to go, I used to have to sell my glass to a distributor. At like a twenty five percent below wholesale, yeah, and then he would sell it, and then it would go to retail. So I remember walking into like stores, kind of like just to see if they were selling my work or not, and like realizing that I don't know how that would break down. Say I'm selling something for forty bucks, then, and you're seeing it on the shelf for one twenty. Dude, I lost a lot of money because of a situation like that. So I did my first. Oh, geez, my mic fell. I lost. I lost a bunch of money because of something like that. I did my first champs trade show in uh, 2013 and um, I sold, we sold out, which was really cool. But I think I got lucky because it was just that year when shops, if it was made out of glass, the shop was buying it. It was just one of those years in glass blowing and everyone remembers those. It's not quite like that anymore. 
but I had a, sh a shop come up and buy a bunch of stuff, but I didn't realize this shop was a, uh, like a middleman, like he resells stuff. So he like marked it up a very small amount. Like he wasn't like, he didn't do anything crazy, but what ended up happening is we had an order booked with a store and this guy sold glass to a competitor store of theirs. And then they canceled the store we had an order with canceled their order with us. And it was yeah. like, it was a big order. It was like seven K and it was the order that was supposed to get us to Colorado. Oh man. And they canceled it. And I had all this glass and I was like, that was how we were going to move. We were like freaking out really upset. And then purple haze came through and literally like I talked to Emmanuel purple haze. He's like, Oh, we'll take it off if they don't want it. And then they gave us a check and we we're able to move here. But yeah, because of like those middlemen that do that, sometimes it might affect your wholesale accounts is there's like a lack of communication or people get butt hurt because of, you know, someone else got something right in their area. At the same time, I was seeing my glass sell for more money this way mm. because the, there was the, 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 that happening. People I finally ventured out. out. I finally ventured out and went to uh, like champs. I, my local head shop was like stacked with headies. They like, I hit the market pretty good in Fort Collins. So I was like, we're going out to catch the first, it was the first uh, big master's flame off at champs and Buck and Darby made this huge, I know it was an individual, excuse me. Uh, every, everyone was there compete. There was like a, a master's event and then there was like a sponsored event and it was cool. It was like the first huge big flame off I had seen. And the master's event was basically all these guys getting together to like collab or they were actually competing as teams. The, they're, they're competing against each other. Okay, okay. And, and Scott Deppie was in it. Buck was in it. Darby, oh, a lot of, a lot of legends, <laughs> the man. legends, it was the legends battle. So everyone was, everyone was going at it. And, uh, I took my glass from my local head shop and I was like, let me get this glass. I'll make you more if I sell it type thing. Cause yeah. it's like, all right, it hasn't moved. And I went and I doubled the price in Vegas and then gave it to a distributor same thing all of a sudden this bubbler i sold for 400 bucks was worth a thousand dollars and that's this booth sold everything at the show and it was one of those years where like these are big monster huge kettle yeah. bubs and it's just eye candy for stores and it, it sold real well and i came back and and I paid my buddy back and he's like, well, I, I need more glass now. Yeah. So it was like a win-win. I was yeah, like, it's cool. like, okay. This is I was like, well, I sold it there for this. He's like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I got you, man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was cool to like, when you see the bigger, back then without the internet, you're seeing a bigger platform going to Vegas, seeing all this glass being sold. Yeah. And that's going across the country. That's probably the golden years of it though, is because that's when it really relied on those shows. So everyone went and they were probably just crazy. Right. It, it was, it was a madhouse. Totally different time. Last age I went to was sad. Uh, but yeah, I heard a similar situation that happened with people's pieces getting marked up because of stores and them not knowing it. Uh, really big glass floor I look up to. Um, he was selling work to a gallery and this happened years ago. And now he's one of the biggest dudes in the game selling like, you know, really like, you know, hundred thousand dollar pieces and stuff. But originally like his pieces were like less than a thousand bucks. He sold it to this gallery and then behind his back, they started marking up like 4,000%. So like basically selling these things for like over five, six K and he had sold it to him for like five, 600 bucks. And he caught wind of it after they had sold like all these pieces and made like hundreds of thousands of dollars off him. And he was like, okay, so now my work's through the roof. You just put me in a situation where like now hopefully I can keep selling glass at that price range, like, because now that's what the market set it at. So it's like, yeah, it's a good thing. But I think some guys, if they really look at the big pictures, they might see some of that as a stressful thing. They're like, well, that's a lot to sustain selling pieces at that level, but he's killing the game. He's one of the biggest in the game now, but hearing stories like that, how stores 
will just upmark certain things and it may affect how your business runs because your market's now shifted to a different bracket. And if you weren't ready for it, the sustaining it could be difficult. That's always like one thing I tell early glass blowers. It's like, you know, take your time, work your way up. Cause if you get, if you start pricing right your first year, if everything you make is a thousand dollars your first year, by the time you get to year 10, everything's going to be what, like $200,000 or more. But will will it really will you have the market to be able to sell that just right. like, don't price yourself out of your market. i like to find the sweet spots yeah it, it, where it's still expensive but it's it's affordable and you can still really appreciate it and it has that feel of a has that value to it um so as a like a small business owner in glass floor what would you say is like the biggest like kind of like stressor for you like is like trying to like run this glass business and get the pieces done like what's like What's the big thing like for you that like you that like kind of hinders you sometimes that you always still try to work through if you don't mind talking about it? Well, right now, even recently, I, I've sold the last three years. I've kind of been selling mainly direct to to collectors. Yeah, I built up uh, a, a pretty amazing following of guys that that believe in my work. Yeah, and selling less and less to stores, maybe going to age and bringing a little drop and letting yeah. stores get it, but not really filling orders throughout the year. Now, when COVID hit. I just started grinding things that I was happy making dry pipes, slides, bringing flower stuff back and kind of ran some auctions on Instagram and got a lot of attraction. And all of a sudden stores just kind of hit me up hard again. And of course, as, as a businessman, like orders are good. I'm going to get a list going and kind of yeah. like get back to where I was in like 2015. Well, I, kept taking them on and now now it's like great that the it's the orders are there i'm very grateful for it and i'm going to get them done but it's got me stressed about finishing when i'm going to say it on time i was like it's sometimes glass breaks yeah you know and i'll have a hiccup or something and I'm, I'm trying to make all these commitments and then like just mentally going how far out, out are you yeah like off the list i don't know how long all this is yeah, going to take six months a year two years i have no idea I'll, yeah I'll hit you up a month before right. I'm starting it so <laughs> that that bringing that back on was it's been a little stressful because yeah. i got very comfortable with like how things were working for the last three years definitely i throw my own big show that unfortunately we're not going to do this year but a lot of collectors fly out and we had like Dude, a hash a lot bash of things are and, happening this year it's just and what it is. uh do a little unveiling and the kids grab work. We all hang out. It's a good time. And that, that seemed to work for me. I was doing my own shows. Yeah. That's it was, I started doing my own shows because stores weren't really like come and do a show. Like we know yeah. we can dump a ton of work. And also too, like sometimes if you include someone else, maybe your vision of how you want your show to look or things to be put presented isn't exact. And that may just, you know, things, I, at least how I am, I want things to be a certain way. So usually I'm just like, I'll just do it myself. Yeah. That's, <laughs> like, that's exactly how <laughs> I, I felt. I wanted to have that. The, 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 the collector artist experience is, is important to me. And I think most of the guys can, you know, contest that I give them time, even if they just need absolutely to vent. And if that's it, where I'm slacking right now in my business is like for years, I had like collectors. I talked to almost every day in the DMS and then like 2018, that all just like, it was honestly, once my daughter was born and the business got really busy is like, I really had to like prioritize my time and I couldn't spend a couple hours a day anymore just talking with people on the internet. Like I was, so I was like, that's one thing that's why I do this podcast. I'm like, I can't sit and talk to 
each individual, like thousand, two thousand, three thousand people, whatever. It's like maybe if I just make something where I'm myself and I just like talk to people and express myself. So that's a good way for them to at least have that connection and right. know me on that level. Because I like own a small business. I'm a dad of a two year old. I'm just trying to figure out how to balance life and be present for my family and my friends. And I don't know, it's a balance, dude. And I'm sure you struggle with that stuff too. It's just, I'm yeah, I've been, I've been working on it and I had it a good balance and all of a sudden it's the demand went up again. Yeah. And it's like, ah, yeah. Step and, back a little bit and just breathe. Yeah. I took, I'm taking a little hiatus right now from wholesale. I'm going to get back to it here in the next like few weeks or so, but I had to take a little break because the pressure of like the big orders and I'm not complaining. It's good to have it, but like mentally, I don't think I should do that all the time, back to back to back. And I've do, been doing it back to back for three years straight. Go on, like, man. You go hard, bro. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, it's time. How about we just take a month where my mom and dad are visiting? Why don't we just like relax with family? I'll make a couple pieces here and there and just try to like be present because I'm so hung up in work sometimes that like I feel like guilty. Like my kids growing up so fast. My parents are getting old so quick. It's just, I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm still just trying to make this pipe and. I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, are my priorities straight? But at the end of the day is as long as like everyone's fed and safe and I'm trying to take care of my, myself mentally, then we're doing all we can. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you are here. You're in your home. Yeah, I'm in my home. I'm, I'm not like hours away or traveling from my family. I'm in the garage. If they need yeah. to come out and get me or I need to go you know, change a diaper, I can. That's a good peace of mind. Yeah. And that's why I'm set up like this. So, dude, because I knew that I was like, man, I need to have this type of setup in order to have a higher probability of smooth days consistently. Cause I need to be present and here. So if like there's an issue in the house or something happens with my wife, she can just grab me when I used to work other jobs. I'd be like, okay, I'll handle it when I get home at four or five o'clock at night. And it's just like, then more shit gets behind more shit's falling apart. And I bet a lot of people listening to this can relate. It's so hard when you're on that fixed schedule. Cause like life happens, things break things, you know, we just shit happens. It's, it's tough finding the balance. Sometimes, even if you're balanced mentally, physically, and you have your whole life together, <clears throat> the world will throw something at you. You have no control over and that's 2020. Yeah. <laughs> 2020's got me working like I'm trying to cut out of the shop at four o'clock, not eight o'clock. I'm yeah. trying to enjoy time with my lady, time with my dog and and chilling. Even though it's COVID, we've we found ways to just kick it, go for little like cruises. It's like date night. Yeah, dude. I'm trying to find like my goal is I'm at year seven right now, glass blowing, but like my goal is here, hopefully by next year, it was this year, it was my goal to do this, but I always push it a year back, it seems like, but I want to be able to take Sundays off. Eventually, that's my goal is like I have Sundays off and I want to stop working by eight o'clock at night. Does it have to be Sunday? Or could it be Tuesday? It can be whatever day. I just like the weekends because my daughter's home, right? I so get, I can I just get spend the whole day with her. I don't have the kids. So every day is like kind of the same day mm -hmm. most of the time. It was like that for me for years too. Like me and Cassie never expected to have kids. Like, you know, we, it just, life happens. It's wild. But yeah, that like, I just want to find a better balance so that I can be, cause I, I just, I feel like sometimes I feel like those pressures of how hard I work are like messing with my head a little bit. And I'm like, whoa, like, and I'm very prideful of being a hard worker and stuff like that, but I'm human too. So like I have moments and days where I'm just like confused, like what's going on. Cause I'm so like sleep deprived and this hasn't happened for months though. Cause honestly, once I did those collabs with you and once we started this podcast, I mean, I had a couple late nights, I did this podcast, but for the most part, I've tried to cut way back. Like I don't work past two o'clock anymore. I really try not to. I'm maybe I do it once a month just to tie up a finish something up if I have to, but I used to work till 4am seven days a week. 
And I did that for over a year. And it's like, I just don't want to do that again. I don't think it's necessary. And I wonder if I was like doing that because I was trying to like prove to myself that I'm capable of like pushing myself if I need to. I wanted to see what I was capable of. I'm like, it was like a test. It's like, how hard can you push yourself so that you know in the future, if you hit hard times, you're capable of saving your family. You can go like a machine. Like, so like, it's just, I don't know. Those those hours and that you put in and put at those times and like feel like people go through them too. And it's also part of the part of the business and pushing yourself to get where you want to go so you can step back. Definitely. Like it, you know, you you say it yourself, you know, you're working doubles. You work, yep. you know, it's it's two shifts. Two shifts. Yeah. And uh it it's you can do it for a while and, and get caught up and get where your brand wants to be. And then once it coasts, like you can hand step back and yeah. analyze and see what we need to do to keep moving forward. I'm just trying to big, build a big enough foundation with some stability. But like I said, there's some things we have no control over of. So even if you have the biggest, most stable foundation and all the finances and everything set up, life still can happen. Oh, shit can get weird and it does. doesn't matter. <clears throat> so it's almost like you're better off just trying to enjoy each moment than trying to control each moment because we have no control. We're just on a ball spinning through space. It's crazy. Yeah. I get so caught. I, I lose days blowing glass, man. I just get so caught up in it that it's the w- weeks seem like days now. And yeah. I kind of like know what I've done by looking at what I've pulled out of the kiln. Like, oh, there's my time. Yeah. I guess I put my time into this this time. Dude, I wake up some like back when I was working that crazy 4 a.m. grind. I would wake up some mornings and only remember making like four of the five pieces in the kiln. I was like, well, I don't remember making that one, but it happened. So that must have happened from two to four when I was a zombie because I'm like, I used to do lives at those times too. And my wife told me to stop. She's like, you can't go live anymore around three and four in the morning. She's like, you're just not even yourself. You're just, <laughs> you're just not making sense. Like it looks bad. Like you need to stop. So I stopped posting those because I did it for years before like 2008, up to 2018. And then a few months into 2018, I was doing those. And then she was like, you can't stop these. There's a lot more people watching our brand I mean, now. it was entertaining. Yeah. You, you know, people were watching still. It did. It got, it got a following. <laughs> it built the following up quick. Yeah, that because yeah. I was posting 24 hours a day. So mm-hmm. there was no break. So I was constantly in the feed. But it's it's not worth it. It was more of just a test for me personally to see, like, uh, what I was capable of, you know, because I wanted to know. Because I always, like, it was a high school dropout. Like, I kind of felt like a little bit of a failure sometimes. Um, and just like, I kind of wanted to prove to myself as like, Hey, yeah, you're just making pipes or whatever, but it doesn't really matter what you're doing. You could be picking up dog shit. What are you capable of? How long can you go? Like, is treat it like a challenge. Like, Oh, you're feeling tired. That means it's time to push harder. Oh, like your feet hurt time to stand for another hour. Like, what are you capable of? Oh like, yeah. It, that's it. And I just wanted to know. And actually, and I, and I thought to myself, I was like, even if I do this, the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to be successful and make a bunch of money and get good at something. That's the worst thing that's going to happen if I push myself this hard or die. But you know, when you're young, you try not to think like that. You're like, I'm just, I'm invincible. It's weird. You see your parents growing older though and stuff. And then you start realizing you're like, Whoa, I'm not invincible. Not shit, invincible at all. Is. Life you, is precious. And then you start well. feeling it. It's crazy. I look in the mirror and I, I'm still, still inside feeling 25, but now it's like, Oh, you got gray hairs yeah. and white hairs. You're 40. And it's like, you know, real issues, life issues are coming up, health issues. You got to take care of that. Um, but we live in a great time for people aging because I see people in their 40s, 50s, 60s that look amazing and healthy and strong. It's just, you know, people like us, though, we work ourselves into the ground and we are more focused on our art and the growth of our art than we are our physical health. 
like I beat myself into the ground. Like I, this year I've been trying to be better about it and trying to eat better and stuff. But at the same time, it's like, it's more like you got to sleep more. You got to like drink more water. It's like, and you got to be less stressed. And I think stress is a big thing for glass blowers. A lot of us, it's like, you know, it ages us. You ever seen the funny memes where it shows like glass blower year one, they're all cleaned up. Yeah, and yeah. Glass blower year five, they look like homeless. Like, yeah. you know, just because it really is mentally taxing. Like any glass blowers listening to my podcast, they feel it too. It doesn't matter what level you're at or what you've sold. If you're putting time in and you spend hours on something, then it breaks and you don't have enough money to buy more material to continue pursuing your craft. It's fucking stressful. And then on a bigger scale, once you're actually a big company and doing things, it just gets more crazy and stressful. Yeah. More money, more problems. I used to hear that. And yeah. I, was, I guess it's, it's true. All right, sweet. So, Let's just talk about this little piece real quick here and uh, what we're what we're getting into. So me and Zach got a few things in the works right now. <clears throat> this is the first one that's like complete out of the kiln. It's a 10 millimeter double diffuse. So this is not an XL. Um, it's actually about the size of a standard RBR, but the proportions are really on point. So it looks bigger than it is. And I was super grateful when uh, Big Z was down to do those bear paw space keys because um, I feel like it just makes that piece that much more unique because you don't really i mean you don't see those usually it's a coin or or some or a stacked opal or something like that so to have the bear paw in there is just super super cool and i the color we used for this is actually like a fade of secret white to blue dream and the blue dream basically made the secret white look like a darker moonstone it gave it more of like a cobalt into the moonstone which i wanted to use that because if you look at the the space tech on there which you guys will see more pictures on my instagram i think it really makes it pop even harder that blue kind of complements it and helps it you know it just gives it it's a good complementary color for this overall piece so um i like the space best with blues and purples mm -hmm. 100%. yeah and we got a, a couple other cool ones to show you guys we might even have a flower piece we're putting together so we'll see but we'll definitely have some rbrs available for you guys that are looking to scoop something and today that is this will be dropping on Sunday. Today's Thursday. But uh, the day that we drop this piece, um, the podcast should be coming out and everything. So we'll see how it goes. Though. I'll be posting on Instagram exactly how we're going to be doing this drop and all that stuff. But yeah, I'm really, really stoked how this one came out. Like this one, I made a lot on the lathe. I would say like I assembled on the bench, but all the shaping and stuff I did on the lathe. And I'm like really proud of how clean this came out and precise. The function on this one's absolutely incredible. I posted a video up my Instagram. I'm sure you guys have seen it at this point, um, but I'll be spamming these pieces over the weekend and everything and showing them off because there's some really unique ones in the works. And uh, actually, we're gonna be keep we're gonna continue working today. We uh, took a little break this morning to do the podcast, and then we're gonna jump back on these torches and work all night and crush out the rest of these pieces. And honestly, I'll probably be working tomorrow on them too to finish the this bigger piece I'm working on, but I don't want to rush it. Um, so many times in the past, I felt like pressure to meet a time limit and I'm slowing down a little bit right now. I want to enjoy these builds. Like I've told, um, I was recently talking, it might've been you, um, I was talking to you about this, but saying like those last few steps, like late at night, like say it's one in the morning, you have two or three steps and the piece is done. And I'm like, okay, I'll just stay up and finish it. I've lately broken a bunch of really, really nice pieces from being like, oh, I'm almost done. I might as well just finish it. And what I'm realizing is I'm not respecting myself or the process and I should enjoy these last few steps. I should not rush them. I've spent days, if not, you know, hours, if not days on the piece 
And then it's like, why rush those last couple steps? Like, enjoy it, appreciate it. You're the, at the finish line. Look at what you've done. Like, exactly. don't rush it. So what I've been doing lately is leaving them in the kiln till the next day and taking them off the handle so I can double, triple check everything, make sure I'm happy with everything and not just crossing the finish line. It's more about the journey and not the destination or something like that. I have no idea. But I want to thank uh, Big Z for hanging out with us today. This is the What's Up Everybody podcast. Appreciate you guys who watch and support us. Hope you guys have a great weekend and come hang out with us today for the Sunday sale. Thanks, everybody.